want to convey to you guys, there's one thing today that, uh, that you guys take with you uh, is uh, one of my main topics about uh, budgeting for, for Wildland. I, I would like to, for everybody that can, that's available to them, hopefully no one's driving, uh, if anybody can hop up on Google and just actually type in the words, budgeting for wireless land improvements. And I say this to, to my point, as an engineer talking to other engineers, uh, 21 years and still going, uh, I have built all sorts of networks, as most people have and when you get to this stage in your career, uh, mostly data centers, offices, spot locations, uh, you name it. And wireless has always been near and dear to my heart because it's closest to your customer, which is the end user. Uh, which is closest to the other customer, which as we know in IT, we all have two customers. We have our peers, our employees that we work with every day. And we actually have the real customer that actually goes and buys that service or that product. Uh, and the wireless, as you guys know, with the old distributed model of you know access, uh, core, right? Wireless is, is act the access layer. And when you get something on your desk that says, we've got a new wireland project, if you're probably still looking at Google, the first thing that every engineer does is start look at capacity planning. And this is the one thing that I would like for you guys to come away with, is the only thing I could say in 21 years of doing this is to stop. Is to stop thinking like an engineer and stop thinking about capacity planning right out of the jump. I know it is so hard. Every time I got a wireless project or was part of one or any type of project, I'm busting out the new latest Visio. I'm looking to see if I've got the latest Juniper icons or the, or the Cisco icons in my Visio. I'm looking to see who's got my Fluke Analyzer. I am ready, I'm capacity planning. If you look at Google and just pan down, as you guys know how Google works with AdSense and AdWords, uh, someone has typed in to be in the front for people actually looking uh, to do how to do a wireless land budget. And what you're seeing is, is that it's all about starting off the bat with capacity planning. Just for a second, don't think that way. When you first get a wireless land project handed to you, I'm gonna show you what I've learned mostly through a lot of my mistakes and working with people far, uh, smarter, far more accomplished than I am and learn from these guys and hopefully that you guys will get some of this information and use it in your in your budgeting. So when you get this project and it's put to your desk and you stop thinking like the engineer, the first question I want you guys to ask when you're looking at this is actually ask the reason why. Just like my kids do when I ask everything. Why? Why, are, why is this wireless land project happening from a business sense? Then I want you to ask all the customers, that's the end users. I want you to look at this wireless project and say, I've got this wireless project. We've got this wireless project. What does this mean to you? What does successful look like? I'll give you a couple of examples of my failures with this, not taking this step. I built many years ago, the most secure, robust wireless solution that I ever thought was possible back in my day with a team and it's not what anybody wanted and they didn't use it at all. It was actually for a third party HR team to lease out a building because they were gonna do a hiring event for colleges and all they needed was access to the internet and to a printer. And I spent all of my time with my team thinking about security, thinking about roaming. And when I came up and I showed the actual document, the statement of work of what I looked, what that's gonna look like, 
it was uh, completely not what was spec'd, right? Knowing your customer kind of thing. Same thing happened with a call center. Built a completely non-roaming, non-compliant, not very good uh, quality uh, because I was thinking again that it was going to be stationary, that it was going to be just internet use, and it was actually a very much voice over IP wireless network connectivity. And when I started to ask those questions before of what the business purpose was, I started to get a lot of my information of grabbing success criteria for what vendor I was going to select, what antennas, what type of medium, and yes, even all of the good stuff that we like to do, all the testing. And once I, once I started asking these questions and started talking to the people, the actual end users of what they needed to use it for, that helped me build into my budget of what it was going to be. And first, while we've got your thinking, I'm just curious, and we'll, we'll answer this at the end. In your IT departments or in everybody's IT departments, what is the second biggest expense annually? Do you think hardware costs more than employees or employees cost more than software? If you think the second highest annual expense is IT employee salaries, type A, do you think it's software subscription, B? Type C if you think it's hardware, and at the end, I'll let you guys know the answer. And then I'm gonna move on from that, and I'm gonna talk about the budgeting here. So once you have determined the business need for this Wildland project, once you have talked to the end users, it's time to talk about cost design. Now, most cost elements of a wildland project, in my experience, are really determined by the type. Uh, I have listed three of the ones that I think are the majority. Most wireless land refreshes that we deal with on the day-to-day for two years or three years is the most common, which is this the incumbent wireless land. It's something that you guys have been working on for years. You're happy with it, and it's time to refresh. Uh, it's been maybe two years. It's time to put new APs in maybe new technology, but you're familiar with the location, you're familiar with what's needed. Uh, you still need to follow the same aspects of testing, but think about this when you're asking that question, why are we doing this YLAN? Once you think about why and someone tells you, well, we're just doing a refresh, that helps you with your budget planning. That you already, you are, I can hear you already thinking about what you guys need to do about testing criteria, about you know rip and replace over the weekends, all that kind of stuff, because you you have already answered the question why, and you've answered what's it going to be. If you have expansion or rip and place, rip and replace towards the bottom. That's usually in my experience, and probably everybody else. That's the one of the most difficult because that usually means that the wireless land that you were using, which was the incumbent. Uh, is no longer going to be used and you need to rip everything out and replace with somebody new. That understanding of what type of wireless land project is and what success looks like, that helps you identify the steps in budgeting. Because once you get to that point, which is really funny in my experience, and I'm sure in y'all's as well, is that as soon as somebody comes and says, we need to update or we've got this new wildland project you ask what it is what's it for and they say what it is what it's for the first thing they'll ask you is 
how much does it cost? And then they'll have to, then they say, you need to justify it. <laughs> right before you start designing it or installing it. I found the best practice for this is when you start as a non-engineer, when somebody hands you a wireless process and you ask the question, what's the business need? What type of wireless land are we talking about? And then you already have the on and you have the I of ROI. You have the investment or a good idea of it. And the on is what it takes to get there. So you're already halfway there on the justification because you have information on what the investment or a good idea of what the investment already is gonna be. And you have a good idea because nobody knows your infrastructure, nobody knows your business better than you of what that's gonna take to get there. So as you'll see the bottom two, you already know those two. The next two main topics is the timeframe and money. Knowing the time frame for when this wireless LAN network, when it needs to be done, how much time you have, and knowing the type, you can already start to break this down and giving a, real, a realization of what you can use with your time and your resources uh, to get this wireless LAN accomplished and feel good about it. I always liked to ask how much money I have and not for somebody to come and say, tell me how much this is going to cost. I feel, again, it's just a personal thing, especially if I know what type it is and what they're really after and how much money I have. I feel like I can hit those those SLAs a lot better than, than me trying to say money, right? So these factors and the justification help go into the actual budgeting process. By the time you're at the justification process, at the beginning, you had already started thinking about a proof of concept document. There's a lot of talk about statement of work. Statement of work is like, I'm gonna build you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand you a wireless network. How it actually performs <laughs> is really subjective, right? So I, the value for between vendor and customer statement of work is very, very important and very needs to be communicated. But proof of concept, in my opinion, for wireless engineers and to, for your customers, that proof of concept from the beginning is absolutely critical. If you build a network like I have done earlier that didn't fit the criteria, it, it, it's a failure, even though the statement of work is still the same. You did build a wireless network, but they can't use it because it wasn't inducive to what they need it for. Example, uh, wows uh, in hospitals. If you don't design a really nice, roaming a capable network and you have not actually tested it with the software that's actually using on that you know that that could be considered you know a a, a an uh-oh right i have found that of all of the cheat sheets all of the calculators all of the capacity planning of actually going and sitting down with an end user and saying what does this business need look need to look like from day to day Will you tell me that I'm going to document this? I'm actually after I get out of, out of after I get out of proof of concept, I'm going to pilot this, and at the end of the day, you're going to report and you're going to sign off on yes, I can move quickly down the halls and I don't lose connectivity and my application works as expected. I'm also going to have that same information against my vendor when I'm doing compatibility testing, and usually if I've selected two vendors in the process for during my 
my design phase, I'm going to say this is the criteria, not yes, the wireless land is up and connected and I've got I've got great signal strength and I've I've got a great type of, you know, speeds. No. How well does it perform for the end user? I use that same concept for my own staff in IT and say this new wireless network, what's most important for you? They'll say monitoring, quick availability, any of those big assets, those big points, I will write that into my proof of concept. I will go to my IT management and I'll go to executive. And of course they just say, I just don't want to get in trouble with it. I want it to have, you know, good value. I don't want it to cost a lot. You know, I, I just want it to work well, right? You have all of those agreements. You've just built your testing criteria already before you've even started looking at capacity planning. And when you have that proof of concept, well-defined and everybody's agreed on, everything else really falls into place in my opinion, because you already know the money that you're gonna get in, you know the type of wiring you're gonna get. And at the end of the design phase, I like to include the pilot, the proof of concept, the vendor selection, I like to include that into the actual design phase. When I'm into the install phase, I have already chosen my vendor. I usually will, uh, depending on what type of organization it is, uh, depending on certain regulations or, or how you do business, uh, whoever's been awarded the contract, uh, whoever I've tested with, whoever I've reached out to, you know, RFPs, or I've just gone out myself and had pick three vendors or five vendors and then narrowed it down to three. I haven't just put these guys in a lab. I haven't just looked at the cost. I haven't looked at their speeds and feeds. I've actually looked at them in the lab, see how well they hit on a certain criteria, again, in my proof of concept document. And then I've already gone with two or maybe one that I've selected and I've actually put it in 10% of my end user in live traffic and that's my pilot. So if I had 50 offices that I was going to refresh, I would put this in five offices, you know, two with one vendor, maybe two in the other, you know, and use that as my actual testing criteria. Referring to that document, making sure that everybody has said that yes this does take off and then once that's done the actual install phase is really what i found is quite easy because again you already know what the business case is for this wireland knowing that you know the timeline the timeline of how long this wireless network is supposed to be up or what is its purpose you've talked to the end users of what they need you've talked to it you've talked to your peers your it management your executives and you have reported this information back to your vendor of exactly what these things need to be done and you have in a time frame and now you know how much money you're working with and at this point you'll find in my experience a lot of the end users aka your your people that you you're customers and will be very positive during these tests during this pilot and when it's the time to cut everybody over or the time to do an expansion there's that confidence that you have that you've already done this with 10% you know the business needs you know uh, the timeline and you can roll in to that successful wildland project so again my biggest statement in the 21 years that I've been doing this is that when you 
get the first get the project, even if it's something that you've known that's coming. If it's if it's cyclical, it's something that that your your team does every two years is a uh, a partial refresh of the wireless LAN environment. Is to really ask the question: What's the business purpose of this YLAN? What does it need to solve? And then start that way instead of capacity planning. I have found more often than enough when I start with capacity planning. I get overwhelmed and I get in a wormhole of trying to figure out how to design the network. And if I just would have asked the question, what are we doing this for? I would have gotten a lot of information that then I could have gone back and then use a capacity planner. And over my years, I have found a couple of hints on how to help this out and I wanted to share this with you guys. So I know that a lot of webinars, you get free access points. I have found, and, I, and a mentor showed me this years ago, when you go and join these, and it's it's not your, your normal incumbent vendor, somebody new, it's a great way to learn about new technology and a new way of doing things. But every once in a while, you'll get a free AP, or you'll get access to it. A lot of people sometimes will just take this home, or they'll just put it in the uh, IC closet and, and never never really think about it. Because if you, know, if you do think about it, you can't put it inside your network, because again, it's not been tested, it's not secured, you know, it's got to go through all the paces. But what I found with those is that they can be very helpful and very insightful during some of these type of YLAN projects. So pop-up YLAN is something that happens all the time. I'll give an example. I had an AP just like this many uh, several years ago. We had a customer appreciation event where we were doing uh, tailgating at the uh, local local stadium, which was right across from the office. I showed up with my family just ready to have a good time, meet the meet the people I worked with. CEO, CFO, every type of chief level person came up to me and said, hey, everybody that comes here, there's so many college kids and there's so many people coming here to these games, nobody can, can get on, check on Facebook, all that kind of jazz. We need to set up Wi-Fi for these people. Now, right off the bat, this breaks just about every type of security protocol you can think of, and there was no way, and at that time, I was like, there's no way to do it. But then my boss at the time and I were thinking, like, you know what, we have these APs that we got free. We just have them. Let's just turn on a switch port to the DMZ and just offer a simple internet with a simple password so everybody that's employees can enjoy the Saturday outside and they can connect. Well, guess what? We're able to do that really quickly. Didn't break any security violations or anything like that. And then it actually became part of the standard things that that company and that organization actually does from year to year. So when they have an event, there's actually a process now for those Wi-Fi APs. Uh, another good thing about being in IT is that you're usually involved in every aspect of a company's business, but sometimes you can get so buried into the tech and so what you're doing and just to your, your prism of view. I found that it's really beneficial to look outside your company and see what's going on with your company. Simple Google search alerts about what's happening with your company. And you'll find a lot of information. A lot of the questions that you've always asked sometimes get answered from articles about why am I doing this new wireline refresh? Well, turns out our company is possibly gonna be acquiring somebody or we're going to do an expansion. Sometimes you get that information even before your bosses are even told about it. So sometimes you have a good idea of what's coming. And then also, if you really want to keep your budget in line with the business and you wanna be able to do the best job for your end users and your customers, 
is to really take the time to pay attention to what your competitors are doing as well. If your competitors are doing a lot of, say, university uh, interviews, a lot of things of that nature, you're going to want to do that too, and you're going to be able to offer a quick solution and technology for that. And you're also going to want to keep an eye on the landscape of what, what trends are happening in specifically in your vertical. If it's healthcare, if it's universities, it doesn't take a lot of time, but it does answer a lot of questions when it does come to you as a Wi-Fi professional, when somebody says, hey, we need a refresh or we need this, you pretty much already have that information of what's happening and you can start to build to suit. So again, that's all I really wanted to uh, share with you guys. I hope uh, that was uh, insightful, but uh, that was my best practices at 21 years. I hope maybe at 42 years, I can tell you if I've learned anything different. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, well done. I, and I don't think, did we answer the uh, question you initially posed? I got some responses in the chat room. I got a couple C's and a couple A's, uh, no B's. Um, I can't remember if we answered that question. We did not. It's actually software subscriptions. So that's the second biggest line item in an IT budget. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you start thinking about all of the software renewals that you have to do for an IT department, including computer, apps, services, it really adds up. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So I, I did get a question in here, and, and I'll use this opportunity just before I get into the next question here. Um, go ahead and use the question uh, pane in your uh, go to webinar console and uh, feel free to ask any questions related to this um, and I'll start getting into them here. So um, a lot of our, uh, this first question is around uh, uh, CapEx versus OpEx and we run into this a lot and I'll, I'll let you answer it Chris, but uh, you know, we, we've often uh, run up against uh, companies coming to us and saying, hey, you know, we need to, to get this put into our CapEx versus OpEx. And since we're a subscription service, you know, how do they tackle that sort of uh, challenge? That's a really good question. And I found in my experience that after a certain amount of years, it actually can be construed as CapEx. Uh, that is dependent on a whole bunch of criteria. The main thing is that you wanna make sure that with whoever your comptroller is or whoever the finance arm is, uh, they are aware and uh, abreast of the situation uh, because it really helps out when it comes to budgeting other projects, uh, getting more revenue to do other type of things from the budget can uh, open up if you follow how your company does modeling for CapEx and OpEx. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, and you did mention um, free access points earlier. I want to rest. Uh, I want to assure everyone they're not getting anything for free today from us. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to throw that out there. Uh, we don't have any free sensors for anyone, unfortunately. Um, they, they don't give me a big enough marketing budget for that, Chris. We'll have to figure something out moving forward. Um, one question in here about um, uh, is free Wi so is free Wi-Fi secure and reliable? That uh, may have been a topic that you touched on. Right. So, uh, you know, 
everything my favorite my favorite answer when somebody would ask me a question in especially in the engineering space is always like it depends right. <laughs> it, it really depends on on the set criteria uh you know nothing's free that old adding if, if if something's free then you're the product um uh reliable and secure i i think what i found best is to let and set expectations to my end users if some Thing is my customers hey this is free and open and caveat and poor right this is something that you're not going to be able to access secure information on don't even think about it uh, no you can't open this up inside the certain areas this is free and open or possibly reliable or unreliable but it is what it is and should be treated as such so I, I find that setting expectations uh, to my end users about what what those services offer compared to what they don't usually really kind of negates the question. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Um, I did get a couple questions in here about whether or not we're recording this webinar and if we're going to share the slides and the recording. The answer to both is yes. Um, we do have a, a YouTube channel where we do post all of the uh, most recent webinars. You can certainly respond to any of my emails. Again, this is Don, and I will uh, share uh, both the recording and the webinar slides with you. Um, keep those questions coming in we love them another question in here uh, when do you decide to hire professional services for wideland design versus doing it in-house that is a great question uh and fraught with peril <laughs> yeah. uh, because you definitely want to have a very good estimate of the hours of that professional services is going to use uh, because that will go into that budget and usually those hours are non-negotiable. So once a budget has said a hundred hours for professional services, uh, it will not allow for any more, uh, or you have to, you know, go and, and do quite a bit of, uh, you know, uh, pulling and, and rearranging of things. Uh, I find you look at your workload for your team and if, and you prioritize that project. If this project is so important and or your team is working on something that is so mission critical that they can't, they cannot allocate their time to, that's when I start thinking of professional services.